Good evening and a very warm welcome to all for the Embassy Reads Second Quarter FI22 Earnings Conference Call. Currently, all participants are in listen-only mode. Our speakers will address your questions at the end of the presentation during the question and answer session. Should you need assistance during the conference call, please signal an operator by pressing star then zero on your touchtone phone. As a reminder, this conference call is being recorded. I now hand the conference over to Mr. Abhishek Agarwal, the Head of Investor Relations. Thank you, and over to you, Mr. Agarwal. Thank you, Operator. Welcome to the second quarter FY 2022 earnings call for Embassy REIT. Embassy REIT released its financial results for the quarter and half year ended September 30th, 2021, a short while back. As is our standard practice, we have placed our quarterly financial statements, earnings presentation discussing our performance, and a supplemental financial and operating data book in the investor section of our website at www.embassyofficeparks.com. As always, we would like to inform you that the management may make certain comments on this call that one could deem forward-looking statements. Please be advised that the REIT's actual results may differ from these statements. Embassy REIT does not guarantee these statements or results and is not obliged to update them at any time. Specifically, the financial guidance and any performer information that we will provide on this call are management estimates based on certain assumptions and have not been subjected to any audit, review, or examination procedures. You are cautioned not to place undue reliance on such guidance and information, and there can be no assurance that we will be able to achieve the same. Further, there are significant risks and uncertainties related to the scope, severity, and duration of the COVID pandemic, and the direct and indirect economic effects of the pandemic and related containment measures on embassy REIT and on our occupiers. In a positive move, on August 11, 2021, embassy REIT units started trading with a reduced single unit loss size. On expected line, this regulatory change is resulting in a gradual expansion of our retail unit holder base, which has doubled since April 21 and tripled in the last 12 months. We welcome the continued broadening of our investment. Further, Indian Stock Exchange NSE announced inclusion of Indian REITs and INVITs in relevant NSE indices. However, this decision was later put on hold by NSE. Globally, REITs as an asset class contribute significant weight to benchmark equity indices, which are actively tracked by fund managers to construct their portfolios. We remain confident that, post-consultation and further analysis, all relevant stakeholders and market participants will reach a consensus that enables Indian REITs inclusion in key Indian indices at the earliest opportunity. Joining me today are Michael Holland, the CEO, Vikash Khadloya, the Deputy CEO and COO, and Arvind Maya, the CFO. Mike will start off with the business overview and strategy, followed by Vikash and Arvind. We will then open the floor to questions. Over to you, Mike. Thank you. Excuse <clears> me. <throat> Thank you. And let me start by welcoming Abhishek Agarwal, our recently appointed Head of IR and Communications, an appointment made in parallel with the recent announcement of the appointment of Ritik Bhattacharji as our Chief Investment Officer, announced last quarter. So good evening and thank you all for joining us on the call today to review our Q2 FY22 results. This quarter, we have again seen the continuation of multiple positive trends. First, 
the COVID data trend in India continues on a positive trajectory. Cases and deaths in India are at less than 5% of the May-June peaks, and this has been the case for some time now. Vaccination rollout in key urban centers is strong, and last week India reached the 1 billion vaccination milestone. In all our four markets, lockdowns have been lifted and business activities are reviving. We are witnessing an uptick in physical occupancy across our properties, and we expect a material increase post Diwali. We are supporting our occupiers with their back-to-work plans and are anticipating 15 to 20% physical occupancy levels by the end of this year. This backdrop is encouraging. Second, driven by the continuing acceleration in technology and digital transformation across the world, the tech sector continues to report strong earnings, growth, and importantly for us, strong hiring. In, expand, in addition with technology blurring physical boundaries, global corporates continue to drive India business expansion through high-quality, skilled, and cost-effective talent. With an additional 500 global captive centers, or GCCs, expected to be set up in India over the next four years, as per a recent report by NASCOM. That is in addition to the existing, growing 1,400 GCCs already employing 1.4 million people across key office markets in India. These two aspects, tech sector investments and GCC growth, are extremely positive for us given that these sectors represent over 70% of our occupier base. The third positive trend is that leasing in our markets is showing early but very clear signs of revival. The record hiring is starting to crystallize into new leasing and longer-term RFPs, with 20 million square feet of RFPs currently active in our four markets. Our significant Bangalore concentration continues to be a core strength. Bangalore is expected to lead office demand rebound, and our current pipeline is encouraging. The fourth positive trend relates to a number of favorable regulatory changes. The trading lot size reduction for REITs and the recent changes permitting domestic insurers and now FPIs to invest in REITs debt. All these steps are in the right direction and continue to deepen, expand, and diversify our investor base. So multiple external positive trends over the past quarter, which are complemented by a couple of significant highlights driven by our active management. Our strong showing in ESG was recognized with a four-star rating awarded by Gresby, the global standard in ESG benchmarking for real estate and infrastructure investments. This reflects our commitments matched by actions, not only around our environmental impacts in terms of energy, waste, water, and biodiversity, but also the impact on our communities and stakeholders and our overarching governance principles. Another highlight has been the 46 billion rupee refinancing and a significant 300 basis points interest cost savings, which Arvind will expand upon. This debt raise demonstrates the confidence of the local market in our platform, and it is an important milestone in our financing journey. It further strengthens our balance sheet 
continuing the two-year trend of significant reductions in our overall cost of debt. So a great deal to be positive about around our business and the macro environment, all trending in the expected direction laid out in our previous earnings calls. This quarter, with rupees 5,365 million distributions, 0.7 million square feet leasing activity, and 15% rental escalations on 1.4 million square feet of leases, we are on track to deliver on our FY22 guidance, and we can see strong indicators of customer demand in FY23. Let me hand over to Vcash to expand on some of the business and operating highlights. Thank you, Mike, and good evening, everybody. Business and operating highlights for Q2 include total lease-up of 713,000 square feet at 20% spread with an encouraging 500,000 square feet forward pipeline, successful rent increases of 15% on 1.4 million square feet across 22 leases, construction in full swing on a 5.7 million square feet development project with 1.1 million square feet JP Morgan campus on track for handover by end of the year, and continued focus on our ESG strategy with recent four-star Gresby rating for our operating portfolio. Let me take you through the details. First, an update on our occupiers return to work program. The overall COVID situation and vaccination coverage continues to improve in India. There has been an uptick in the number of corporates moving ahead with the return to work program. While the physical occupancy at our properties is currently at around 10%, we expect this to ramp up to 15 to 20% by the end of this year, led by the increasingly positive sentiment amongst occupiers. Apart from wellness-focused initiatives, teams continue to support occupiers in their vaccination drives and back-to-office plans. Moving to our leasing performance and outlook, we achieved total lease-up of 713,000 square feet at 20% leasing spread in Q2. This comprises 169,000 square feet of new leases at 13% spread and 544,000 square feet renewals at 21% spread, including an early blend and extend lease of 511,000 square feet with a global telecom player. We are seeing a pickup in inquiries and site visits, a 66% increase in Q2 versus Q1, and a forward leasing pipeline is encouraging at 500,000 square feet. We remain on track with our previous guidance on expiries and renewals for this year. Of the 1.9 million square feet expiries, we have renewed 0.4 million square feet area and have seen 0.5 million square feet exit till Q2. Of the balance, 0.9 million square feet remain as likely exit with a 64% mark-to-market potential. Taking into account Q2 lease-ups and exits, our portfolio occupancy stands at a healthy 89% on a 32.3 million square feet operating area. Similar to previous quarters, we secured 100% of scheduled rent escalations in Q2, a 15% increase on 1.4 million square feet across 22 leases. We track to achieve the remaining 14% escalations on 4.1 million square feet across 35 leases due for the remainder of the fiscal. 
Our discussions with occupiers indicate significant pent-up demand due to postponed leasing decisions since the onset of the pandemic. This, coupled with increasing vaccination coverage, record tech spend, and robust hiring trend, signals a strong revival for the office leasing market in 2022. Large occupiers are initiating expansion and consolidation plans as reflected by an increase in active RSPs in the market. Occupiers continue to gravitate towards institutional-grade wellness-oriented buildings to attract and retain talent and to bring them back to offices. Our best-in-class portfolio and our total business ecosystem product offering positions us as the landlord of choice. Another positive for us is that Bangalore currently contributes to over half of the active Pan-India RSPs. Given its position as India's strongest office market, Bangalore is expected to be at the forefront of demand revival in India. With its established ecosystem of tech companies, global chapters and unicorn startups, a highly skilled talent pool, and availability of institutional quality offices, Bangalore continues to be the preferred location for global corporates. With around 75% of our portfolio concentrated in Bangalore, we are well-placed and are already seeing clear signs of traction for Bangalore property. Next, an update on our development projects. During the quarter, construction continued at full pace on our 5.7 million square feet development project across Bangalore, Pune, and Noida. Labor ramp-up has been positive and is back to peak levels. The 1.1 million square feet JP Morgan campus at Embassy Tech Village is on track for handover by end of the year. The balance 4.6 million square feet will be delivered over the next three years and matches with the demand rebound expected starting 2022. We are building into the gap both on timing and location, and we are extremely well positioned given over 70% of our development pipeline is in Bangalore. We continue to progress well on our infrastructure and upgrade initiatives across locations. The flyover and skywalk and embassy Manita, as well as embassy quadron asset repositioning are nearing completion. Development planning for the proposed metro stations at ETV and Embassy Manita in Bangalore and at Embassy Quadron in Pune are currently underway. As always, all, our, all such initiatives are aimed at adding long-term value to our existing properties and enhancing our complete business ecosystem offering. Finally, our asset management updates. Both of our operating hotels saw encouraging uptake in occupancy given lockdown relaxations and domestic travel revivals. Occupancy increased to 28% in Q2 compared to 10% in Q1 with a corresponding positive impact on our hotel EBITDA. Construction of the 619 Keys Hilton Hotels at Embassy Manuka is also progressing well and we have initiated commercial engagement with corporates and are targeting a June 2022 launch. On the ESG front, we are targeting 75% of energy contribution through renewable sources by 2025, and to that end, we are in advanced stages of procuring 20 megawatts of rooftop solar installations across our properties. Entailing a total capex of around 950 million rupees, this initiative will enable 25,000 tons reduction in carbon emissions besides significant energy cost savings. 
a payback period of three years and a projected IRR of, of over 30% reflects our constant efforts to integrate ESG priorities into our business strategy. We also participated for the first time in GRETB assessment, a global benchmark, and achieved an impressive four-star rating for our operating portfolio. ESG excellence is a journey for us, and we are confident that we will continue to demonstrate tangible enhancements over the coming years. Given the scale and importance of the ESG topic, we will be commencing investor presentations and calls focused on our ESG roadmap and actions. We are also focused on inorganic growth and continue to evaluate acquisition opportunities which fit our criteria of high-quality, large-scale business parks located in the right micro-markets and which are accreted and offer further upside through active asset management. Our balance sheet strength and our ability to raise capital at attractive costs positions as well to pursue growth. To conclude, we are encouraged by the significant uptick in leasing activity and we remain focused on converting our leasing pipeline. With a high quality portfolio concentrated in the right market, our strong relationships with occupiers, our continuing investments in our properties, and our ESG initiatives, we are well placed to benefit from the demand rebound in 2022 and beyond. Over to Arvind now for the financial update. Thanks, Vikash. Good evening, everybody. Financial highlights for Q2 include net operating income grew by 30% year over year to rupees 6,236 million with NOI margin of 85%. Distributions of rupees 5,365 million or rupees 5.66 per unit for the quarter with 80% as tax free. Raised total of rupees 46 billion of debt at 6.5% to refinance the existing zero-coupon bond, resulting in substantial approximately 300 basis points interest cost savings, and maintained a robust balance sheet with low leverage of 24% and ample liquidity of Rs. 14 billion. <clears throat> now let me take you through the details. First, an update on a recent successful debt raise. Following the recent IRDAI approval permitting insurance companies to invest in REIT debt, we raised Rs. 3 billion of listed debt in Q2, a 6.8% coupon, for a five-year tenure to refinance the in-place construction debt. This debt raise was strategic for us as we attracted first-time participation by insurers and resulted in 110 basis points positive refinance spread. More significantly, in October, we successfully raised Rs. 46 billion debt, comprising Rs. 31 billion of listed NCDs at 6.5% fixed coupon, and rupees 15 billion of term loan from a leading bank, a 6.35% floating coupon. These proceeds will be utilized to refinance our existing zero coupon bond, for which we exercised our call option for early redemption on 2nd November 2021. This refinance yields a significant approximately 300 basis points or rupees 1.3 billion pro forma interest cost savings annually and helps us spare reach overall cost of debt to six from the original 9.4% at the time of listing. Another positive for us is that this debt raise attracted strong interest from a wide pool of investors, including banks, mutual funds, general and life insurers. Besides increasing the debt maturity to four years, we have successfully locked in fixed interest rates for approximately 70% of the total debt raise. 
This helps their overall debt stack as it staggers the debt maturities and also simplifies the cash flow through for distributions to our unit holders. Post the refinance, our balance sheet continues to remain robust with ample liquidity of Rs. 14 billion, low leverage of 24%, low overall interest cost of 6.8%, no near-term debt maturity for the next two years, and an additional pro forma debt headroom of Rs. 120 billion. As we move forward, the recent regulatory changes by Indian Central Bank to allow SPIs to invest in debt securities of REIT is very positive. This proactive announcement will help expand and diversify our potential capital pool and will enable further reduction in our cost of capital. Next, an update on our Q2 financial performance. Revenue from operations grew by 36% to Rs. 7,352 million, reflecting 14% rent escalations on 4.8 million square feet leases, ramp up in hotel occupancy, and revenue accretion due to the completed acquisitions of Embassy Tech Village and CAM operations of Embassy Manuka and Embassy Tech Zone in the previous year. The impact of these positives were partially offset by few occupier exits. Net operating income grew by 30% to Rs. 6,236 million in line with increase in our revenue from operations. This increase was partially offset by cost relating to CAM operations of Embassy Maneta and Embassy Tech Zone acquired in previous year. Our EBITDA grew by 28% to Rs. 6,053 million in line with our NOI increase. Net distributable cash flows grew by 27% to Rs. 5,368 million. The Board of Directors have declared a distribution per unit of Rs. 5.66 for Q2, representing a 100% payout ratio. With this, MBC REIT has now cumulatively declared distributions of Rs. 10,711 million or Rs. 11.3 per unit for first half of this financial year. Also, I would like to highlight that 80% of our Q2 distributions are tax-free to our unit holders. Moving to other financial updates. Our independent valuers completed fair valuation exercise of our properties for the half year ended September and assess the gross asset value of the portfolio at Rs 475 billion, up 2% from March. Bangalore, India's best office market, contrib contributes a significant 74% of REIT's overall value. Our net asset value as of September stood at Rs 388.26 per unit, in line with our NAV as of March. As updated previously, in February of this year, we filed a scheme of arrangement to collapse the two-tire holding structure of Embassy Tech Village Entity, and we expect to receive approvals by March 2022. Upon simplifying this holding structure, we expect the tax-free component of our distributions to increase to 85% from the current 80%. This will further enhance the overall post-tax distribution yield to the benefit of our unit holders. <coughs> Lastly, <coughs> an update on our FIT 2022 guidance. Last quarter, we provided guidance for FI22 with a midpoint NOI at Rs. 23,700 million with a range of plus or minus 3.5% and a midpoint DPU at Rs. 21.5 per unit with a similar range. This guidance was based on certain key assumptions which were detailed during last quarter's call. These include the positive impact of ETV acquisition, 14% rent escalations on 7.7% million square feet leases and a total lease up of 0.9 million square feet. Along with this, we had also factored the impact of anticipated exits and cash burn for our operating hotels. 
We are focused on delivering our NOI and quarterly distributions to our unit holders and remain on track with our earlier guidance for this financial year. <clears throat> As I conclude my remarks, I would like to reiterate that our strong balance sheet provides us access to long-term capital at attractive cost, and we continue to be favorably positioned to capitalize on growth opportunities. Further, post-refinancing a zero-coupon bond, all our debt will become coupon-bearing. This simplifies our distribution framework, increases predictability of our quarterly distributions, and enables better understanding of the yield and growth components of our total return story, especially for the growing retailer, retail investor segment. Over to Mike for his concluding remarks. Thank you, Arvind. So to summarize, we continue to see multiple positive trends, be it India's COVID situation, our occupiers' industries, the office leasing market, the regu regulatory landscape for REITs, as well as our leasing development and debt market performance. We are delivering in line with our distribution's guidance and are on track with our ESG journey. All in all, with the strength and resilience displayed by Embassy REIT through the last 18 months, we are well positioned for future growth as we emerge from the shadow of the pandemic. We're happy to drill into any details in Q&A. Thank you. Thank you very much. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on their touchstone telephone. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. Participants are requested to use handsets while asking a question. Ladies and gentlemen, we will wait for a moment while the question queue assembles. Participants, you may press star and one to ask a question. The first question is from the line of Kunal Tayal from Bank of America. Please go ahead. Sure, thank you. Um, I have three questions, if I could slip those in. Um, you know, the first one is you've had substantial renewals this quarter. Uh, so what do you check if, you know, anything stands out here uh, on parameters like either pricing, duration, density, or, you know, anything else that you might have observed? Um, the second one is, uh, you know, Mike, if you could remind us what exactly is the tenant trying to achieve, uh, you know, renewing a lease two to three years ahead of time. And then the final one I had is uh, your comment on Bangalore having an especially strong pipeline. You know, do understand the general strength that the city has to offer, but are there any more recent factors that, that might have emerged pre-COVID uh, that is driving this thing? Thanks. So Kunal, thank you for that. So just to summarize, so you're, you're saying A, in terms of the, the deals and renewals, was there anything particular in the negotiation elements of it? The second, why, why do the blend and extend? Um, and the third piece, I don't think we were clear on that, the pipeline. Sure, uh, if I could also sort of go back to the second question, it was more about, uh, you know, why is the renewal happening uh, two to three years ahead of time? And then yeah. the third question was more around, you know, Bangalore, I think the comment was it comprises 56% of the lease pipeline in the country. So is yeah. this general strength that the city, um, you know, typically sees some new factors that emerged in its favor? Yeah. Okay. So, so I'll just take a, a, a comment on uh, the first and third points, and then I'll ask Vikash to talk about this. 
serves with um, significant early renewal that we did. So in terms of um, key issues on uh, either new leases or renewals, I think the one thing that we see is, is really it's not about the price. It's not about the rental rate. It's significantly about the availability of premises. It's about the timing and it's about the quality of the product. There is a desire and a requirement for flexibility. The key piece of that is about expansion, the ability to expand, and we believe that that gives us a competitive advantage. Um, it, it's significantly, uh, as I said, about the qualitative aspect. We think that our complete business ecosystem aligns to that. And in terms of you know, why, why Bangalore, the, the majority of the pipeline is, is coming there, you know, frankly, it is a reflection of the fact that Bangalore represents at least a third and maybe up to 40% of the technology-related market, the startup market, um, and the GCC. A third of the GCCs are here in Bangalore, whether that's in terms of staff and exports. So there's multiple um, reasons why Bangalore for the last five years has consistently uh, been the largest office market in terms of absorption. Um, I think that number is 31% as an average over the last five years. And in terms of, of the RFPs which are in the India market today, 26 million square feet, 56% of those are in Bangalore. So it, it's a natural corollary and I think that's the competitive advantage we have given the 74% in this market. I'll ask Vikas to speak specifically uh, to that early renewal. Sure, Mike. Hi, Kunal. So, on your second question, you know, why we can't disclose the check of this, of this lease, but in general terms, our decision-making about each deal uh, takes into account specifics from that occupier scenario, including the scale and pricing, let's say, growth, shrinkage, shrinkage exit assessment, uh, what's the current portfolio status of the asset and the detailed terms uh, on the table for the lease, etc. Sometimes these occupiers are looking to consolidate and, you know, at, at times they may also potentially exist. So in this case, you know, just speaking of the outcomes, we did execute an early blend and extend, uh, achieve a 35% spread uh, on the market trend and also brought forward revenues from FI2526 uh, to much earlier apart from locking in an escalation at a higher percentage than what was in the current contract, we actually locked in 22% of the next four years upcoming expiries at Manuta, ensuring a zero void, uh, you know, if there would be an exit option. So all in all, we, we're pretty pleased about the outcome, especially given it's a new tenure lease with a lock-in of five years. And, you know, we, we, we continue to look at multiple alternative approaches uh, and, you know, based on specifics of each deal, we will take a call, you know, whether we uh, renew early or sometimes uh, it may also be a case that we uh, let the tenant exit, uh, given we believe uh, we have a significant market opportunity. So it, it, it really depends on specifics of each deal. This, this deal we think is a great outcome, simply because we achieve uh, a good mark-to-market and we bring forward revenues by a couple of years. Got that. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Rajesh. Thanks, Thank you. The next question is from the line of Amadeep Singh from Ambit. Please go ahead. Well, thanks for the opportunity. So, firstly, while overall occupancies remain stable at 
can you give us your outlook on leases for the specific assets like embassy quadron in pune embassy oxygen noida and fifc in mumbai yeah sure on uh, so uh, you mentioned fifc quadron and embassy one so why don't i uh, oxygen right so in terms of these three assets you know occupancy has been subdued compared to some of our other assets but uh, you know in the recent past we have seen some traction in fifc ei in discussion to the 500000 square feet uh, pipeline that you see uh, it does contain one or two uh, leases that we are discussing at fifc uh, mumbai you know generally as a market uh, has seen uh, subdued demand compared to rest of the uh, technology driven markets like bangalore pune and uh, in quadron actually to recollect we had done a deal last year with the australian telecom player and right now we're in discussions with them for expansion space and typically these are the kind of occupiers we like to attract the global captives who start with a certain base and continue to grow uh, you know if you see the, one of the slides in the deck uh, we have completed the complete uh, the entire asset repositioning of quadron and while it will take us a couple of quarters to fully stabilize the asset but the early signs are encouraging both because of the infrastructure project and new road and connectivity which is now linking hinjewadi pune in the west as well as a planned metro where we are in discussions to uh, see if we can explore a direct uh, you know inlet into our park in terms of oxygen uh, which is at sector 144 in noida it remains the best asset in that micro market and the only uh, the you know, one of the only institutional grade asset uh, again noida is a market uh, caters to a certain set of occupiers we the current profile of occupiers that we have is uh, pretty uh, pretty good however to lease up the balance space which is uh, which comprises of the of the recently uh, delivered tower 2 we think may take a couple of quarters but we, we we think we'll be the first beneficiaries as in when the re- rebound happens on all the three assets they are super top quality assets in each of the respective micro markets Sure, thanks. And and just uh, a follow an extension to this, coupling with the in the opening remark which you mentioned that physical occupancy on an overall basis remain at ten percent. So can you help us understand how does this stack up across micro markets for your portfolio? And by when uh, do you or the tenants are expecting to have a substantial occupancy, say more than fifty percent employees back to office? Any sense okay, on that? Okay, this, you mean in terms of people back in 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 the premises? Okay, so we we monitor this uh, at, at least on a weekly basis. Um, uh, today, uh, we you know we've been speaking to pretty much all of our occupiers across all the parks. We've got a good handle on the fact that post Diwali, uh, many of the largest occupiers are looking at bringing back between 20 and 40 percent of their employees. It varies with different companies. It varies also by city. Um, so at the moment, Bombay. is much more advanced in terms of headcount than uh, some of the southern markets uh, around about 50% in one of our assets in Bombay so that leads us to believe that between 15 to 20% of the headcount will be back by year end um, and that will be rising further in the new year it, it's hard to give an absolute number because clearly we've got 193 tenants so plenty of variables in there but that's the trend um that we're seeing very very clear back to work trend was that does that answer the question 
sure 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 mike that that was really helpful and just last one if i could squeeze in so uh, over the last few quarters there have been talks around the de-densification but obviously the fresh leases were not happening now in that context with rfps floating in and site visits picking up can you give us some sense on how the de-densification is taking up place on ground yeah i think i think if you if you look at the there's really three variables in this and and frankly a lot of our comments a year or 18 months ago in the first quarter of the pandemic have been borne out to be the case there are there are three broad variables one hybrid working so will everybody be in the office uh, going forward there's definitely a conclusion that the office is still at the heart of businesses senior leaders i'm sure you've seen want people back in the offices but there will be more flexibility in work so that is is perhaps something that dials down a little bit the quantum of space that might be required but on the other side you look at the hiring data and how that is really off the charts this double the last 5 year average in terms of hiring and growth and the issue about de-densification tends to be taken into account the third variable tends to be taken into account when people are refurbishing or expanding um their spaces and certainly we have numerous examples where companies are uh, uh reducing density from you know maybe 100 square feet per person to 120 some tenants talking about 150 square feet per person so we believe in the mid term um that actually they will continue to be a net positive in terms of the uh, requirement for space space both in terms of quantity and qualitatively So Mike that's helpful thank you and all the best thank you thank you next question is from the line of punit from hsbc please go ahead yeah thank you so much uh, for the opportunity my first question is is on manita uh, the occupancy continues to decline there what's happening there and when should we see it bottoming out sure punit hi vikash here so Uh, you know as you mentioned earlier manita uh, you know a chunk of the uh, 1.4 million square feet exists that we laid out at the beginning yeah. of the year after manita because some of the 15 year legacy leases expire uh, in this year and also some bit in next year uh, and that is the reason why as i mentioned earlier that in some cases we kind of renew early then and extend where we think the terms are feasible and where there's a huge mark to market opportunity of 100 120 or 70% whatever that is because it's a fixed year old lease we prefer to uh, we prefer to encourage uh, some of the occupiers to exit if you know they can't pay those rentals we are targeting so in this case we will in next qu- next two quarters have certain more exit of the of the remaining 0.9 million square feet that this balance uh, which is shown as potential exit which still total up to 1.4 million square feet and we think uh, you know that will get reflected in the manita occupancy in the next two quarters let me take a step back and just give you the way we look at it right we are not too overly you know worried about the occupancy per se of manita we just look at more directionally where the asset is going and what kind of rent what kind of tenant occupiers we are uh attracting so just to give you an example of the 500000 square feet pipeline that we have kind of indicated for next quarter about 83% of that is from bangalore and a big chunk from manipa so you know we we just turn and void is a normal part of business 
And we are just focused on ensuring we achieve those marks to market. Sometimes they may be downtime. So, so just to just to summarize, there would be certain exits in Manipa in the next two quarters and probably in the next year as well. Uh, but directionally, we are pretty pleased with the kind of pipeline we are attracting. In some cases, we will evaluate to redevelop uh, with an additional SCR potential if possible or to refurbish the older buildings as they become vacant to achieve those higher rentals. So, you know, again, it's a it's a it's, it's an opportunity and case to case basis we take that take that call. And again, the infrastructure at Manita with the new road that has come up, uh, Hilton Hotels I mentioned, we're targeting a launch in June. It's going to really make a lot of difference. We're, you know, it's a it's a huge positive from an occupier perspective. So I, I think we're doing the right thing from a medium term perspective and that will surely reflect uh, in terms of the leading traction as we move forward. Right. Understood. My second question was on the early expiries. You have 0.5 million square feet, you know, expiring early or renewing early. Now, from your NPV perspective, is it largely same or is it that just some part of it got front-ended in terms of escalation, but on NPV it could be slightly inferior? Yeah, so actually, Puneet, that's a good question. So while we did the deal, and of course, there were a lot of qualitative factors, uh, we decided why we would agree to this blend and extend, while in some other cases, like I mentioned, for a large occupier, we let, let them exist. In this case, we really, uh, you know, ensured that on a 10-year basis, uh, we achieved those market rentals, and the NPV basis, we are positive, as if the lease was renewed uh, at market uh, based on the existing lease structure. So we actually better off. And we also pre some of the receipt, you know, the revenue, uh, yeah. and also got a fresh lock-in. So we have actually it's a pretty good deal for us. NPV-wise, we are positive, and we have, uh, you know, we have pre the revenue. So, so basically, pre-COVID period, when you would have estimated that you know this would expire in 24 and you would release, versus that, and now you're saying it's still NPV positive. Yeah. So, Puneet, you know, as I mentioned earlier, and you know, you can see that some of the details on slide 36. Again, as I said, on a 10-year basis, if we were to do the renewal in 25, 26, we are still better off doing it today, both on an okay. NPV basis as well as on several other qualitative factors that I kind of laid out earlier. Does that, does that help? Yeah, that, that's useful. Thank you. My last one is on the golf link. You know, the, the dividend from there seems to have gone up from what used to be 300 million quarterly to 40. Is it the new run rate that we should think of and what has driven this increase? Yeah, Puneet. Uh, just if you go back in time till last year, uh, there was a debt at Golfling's level from REIT. So there was cash extraction which was happening in that form. And the balanced cash flow was being distributed in the form of dividend to both the shareholders. Now last year that loan was fully repaid. And from this year onwards, it's only the dividends which are being distributed. So uh, to answer your question in specific, yeah, you can consider this as the current run rate for now. Okay, so 300 has become 450 now. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Great, that's useful. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you. Bye. Participants, you may press star and one to ask a question. The next question is from the name of Mohit Agarwal from IFL. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, so my question is again on uh, physical occupancy uh, across, uh, your, 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 you know, uh, the 
parks. So is there a threshold range uh, beyond which you see that, you know, so somebody, uh, you know, mentioned 40, 50%. Is there a range beyond which you see a sharp pickup in, in uh, leasing demand coming back? Or you think that, you know, these things are not very strongly correlated? Uh, also, if you could remind us, what was the uh, physical occupancy pre-COVID levels? I'm assuming it was not 100%. And the second part to that question is that uh, in terms of returning back to office, is the commentary from the tech uh, uh, tenants and the non-tech tenants uh, different, considering that the uh, you know tech guys are seeing a very high attrition? So, uh, you know, return to work, uh, return to office may be influenced by that factor. Yeah, thanks, Mohit. Those are those are three um, big questions. Um, I, I think that the pre-occupancy, frankly, uh, yeah, we were not tracking daily occupancy in the way that we were. We would have assumed it would have been somewhere in the order of 85% of the theoretical um, full, full number. Is there a threshold? I, I think that there's, there's multiple factors that are coming into it at the moment. Um, once one gets past a, um, a, a critical threshold, which we think probably is in this 15 to 20%, where we're going, we think, by the end of this year, um, we think we will have broken through, or occupiers will have broken through the, um, the concerns that they have when they're looking at other uh, occupiers. That Many of the occupiers are not prepared to go first, so to speak. Um, so we think that we will see a rapid increase, and this is based on talking to so many occupiers um, across the portfolio. We'll see a rapid increase um, post Diwali and in the new year, um, we definitely see a significant variation in the way in which it works for different tenants. I think we've said before on calls that we see some of the India technology companies have been more aggressive at getting people back, uh, even in the first, at the end of the first lockdown. We definitely see um, the uh, domestic uh, facing companies, particularly in Bombay, um, have higher numbers going back. Um, and we probably, it's fair to say, see the most resistance to going back from the uh, West Coast GCCs, shall we put it that way. That said, one of those, uh, a global name, um, we understand that directly post Diwali, they're bringing 50% of their people back. So. It, 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 there's variation across the board, but what, one thing is absolutely clear: the trend um, is, is will rapidly um, increase post uh, post Diwali. Sure, uh, that's helpful. And my second question is on the industry level supply. Uh, so, in your presentation, you've been tracking the CBRE number that there's been a 23% reduction in supply. Uh, can you? Can you help us understand as to is this supply being shelved uh, permanently uh, delayed or or like converted into resi or some, some color if you can give on that? Yeah, so why don't I take that? If you see, look at slide 24, we do track this, uh, you know, the supply coming up, especially in our market. So basically, the supply which, which we are saying has been, uh, which has declined is basically either supply that got pushed out uh, simply because if something's to be delivered in two or three years from today, it should very well be in the full, uh, uh, you know, full activity on the ground on construction front. Uh, so we think some of this 
uh, some of these are facing liquidity and financing issues one two some of them are just uh, you know really not uh, uh, realistic both in terms of timeline or the grade a product quality so that's what we believe now again uh, whether these projects will come up and be relevant supply uh, in you know in, in later course of time maybe we don't know today but clearly today what happened is that both the labor availability uh, as well as uh, the momentum on construction has consolidated to fewer larger institutional landlords who have the financing availability so some of the some of the standalone grade grade a minus b kind of developments uh, which have been announced or half to through have got pushed out because those are the kind of landowners or landlords who are looking at some pre commitment uh you know to move forward on construction whereas our approach has been right uh, since the first lockdown that we knew demand would rebound and we continue with uh, with construction into actual phase so we think some of it may come uh, uh, with a little bit of deferment of time if it may just never see the light of the day sure last here? one sorry yeah sorry and the last one last question i have is uh you know do you have a target or any uh, internal target or you want to share any uh, guidance on uh, when can your occupancy levels blended occupancy levels be back to uh, pre covid levels of around 95% i i don't think that we would we we would hazard a, a specific time when that will happen what we can say uh is that clearly the leasing demand side uh appears to be on a on a strong positive trend uh given the 700 odd thousand square feet of leases that we've done last quarter the strong pipeline that we've got uh in hand for this current quarter and next quarter um so that's trending in a positive direction we've we've declared the uh likely exits a couple of quarters ago there's no change to the numbers that we gave you a couple of quarters ago um so the next two quarters probably will be in a similar place where we are today and we would hope that by early FY23 we start to trend upwards okay thanks a lot that's all from my side and wish you all a very happy diwali thank you thank you the next question is from the line of venkat samla from tata asset management please go ahead hi uh, thanks thanks a lot for the opportunity um i just wanted to understand uh, you seem to be a lot more optimistic this time about leasing compared to say what uh, the uh, what you were uh, a few quarters back right so um, could you help us uh, um, understand anecdotally i mean what are you hearing from some of your large clients which can help us understand i mean where the confidence stems from because you did allude to the fact that you know you see a strong sort of pent up demand play out in the next uh, fiscal year right yeah uh, yeah i think you know we, as you rightly say we 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 are uh we are positive we're seeing an encouraging trend and and part of that positivity comes from looking at the data so the 711000 of leases this quarter and pipeline as i said so it's data based some of it is from the pipeline which is conversations with our occupiers many of the deals that we do are with our existing occupiers we actually have the happy position um with one of our occupiers 
where given there's no vacancy in the park that they occupy in Bangalore, they're looking at uh, taking up some space with us in Pune. So we have that benefit that comes from that. We're, we're, seeing, um, we're seeing and hearing of the strong hiring and strong demand from numerous tenants um, and we're seeing multi-phase uh, new leasing and multi-phase um, growth. So it, it's a database uh, side of things, but it's also um, anecdotal from a, a number of our tenants across the portfolio. But it's very, very clear. And I think, you know, you know I'm sure most people on the call will be aware of this if you uh, speak to any of the ITCs who are actually doing deals out there in the market at a market level, not with us, the number of deals that have been done in Q2 versus Q1 is up 50%. So it's, it's a clear upwards trend. And, and just to add to what Mike said, right, the pipeline that they've indicated, and you know, just to give you a flavor, of course we have uh, the banking financial services as well as the technology companies in that pipeline, but also we have sectors across a spectrum like telecom, automobile, healthcare, e-commerce companies, as well as FNCG logistics, engineering, and research and consulting. So we have, we have just seen across the board, you know, occupiers starting to take decisions, or at least preparing themselves to take decisions, given that over the last six to eight quarters, literally they've just frozen the real estate plants. But at the same time, the business has grown, and they've continued to hire people. And, you know, just there was another question earlier that is there a correlation between the physical occupancy and the space take up? So, you know, interestingly, in some cases, it's not simply because they've got new business or they have offshore, they've offshore a different process and they really need a new space to accommodate the team, even though in the existing premises that they may have, it, the, the occupancy may be just 10 or 15 percent on a you know, physical occupancy basis. So I think, I think it's just a lot of pent-up demand and, you know, the landlords who have available space, landlords who can kind of be flexible and provide uh, the standards on wellness that the occupiers expect, I think we will be well placed as we move forward into the next year. Right, right, right. Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. Um, um, secondly, uh, I just wanted to understand now what we are seeing is post-COVID. Um, a lot of these new tech companies or startups um, um, are growing in a very large way and even uh, in terms of hiring absorption also, the, a lot of which used to be previously working with the conventional tech company seems to be moving there, right? So in terms of raising uh, or the interest in, in terms of the pipeline, um, are you seeing a meaningful uptick in the... Sorry, you are losing your audio. Hello? Am I audible? Yes. Uh, are we seeing a meaningful uptick in... Then we lost you. We can't hear you, Venkat. Uh, Venkat, sorry, may I request to come in a better reception area, please? Uh, sorry, I'll just join back in the queue. I think the area which I'm in is in the poor reception area. Now we, can, we can hear you now. Why don't you try one more time? Okay, okay. I'll just try once again. So what I was trying to understand was um, uh, uh, post-COVID, what we're seeing is there's a lot of growth in the new age startup companies, right? both in terms of uh, hiring as well. So is that also translating in, term, uh, in terms of better leasing or leasing interest uh, versus what it used to be before uh, 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 for you guys? So, so thanks, Venkat. 
I think that um, the, the startup sector, the, the pre-ITO segment, that clearly is like, frankly, all other areas of the technology uh, universe are uh, hiring significantly. Um, and so we're seeing, we're seeing pressure from whether they be the well-established international names or within the market, this startup um, um, in environment. I think we all know the hiring numbers are very strong. Those smaller um, startup type of operators, they often need flexible space. This is another reason why, as part of our total business ecosystem environment, we tend to have on our large part some sort of co-working shared space uh, player. And in fact, one of the deals that we did this last quarter was uh, with such an operator. So uh, again, we try to provide that broad uh, amenitized uh, offering for whether it be startups, whether it be GCCs, or whether it be the, the, the core uh, IT uh, sector products or services. Um, and all of them are growing. It's not any one sector. We have had um, one Indian, um, uh, more than a startup, but a, a pre-ICO business that in the early stages of the pandemic was talking to us about surrendering some space. Actually, they then reversed that uh, conversation with us, given the fact that they were hiring so, so many people and growing. So it, it's growing across the segment, and we try to provide different product um, within each part for all of those segments. Understood. Thanks. Thanks a lot. And one last question uh, from my side. Uh, I know it's still very early days, uh, but uh, um, anything that you think or uh, uh, maybe early feelers that you're getting about the impact of hybrid working um, on the structural leasing demand moving forward, anything that you may be picking up in India or, or even from uh, uh, the other geographies where the occupancies are higher than what it is in India? Yeah, sure. So, you know, on hybrid working, there's been a lot of talk. So, while on the impact on office market due to the increased flexibility around hybrid working, uh, you know, there will be some impact. We think it's offset, uh, it will be offset by massive headcount growth and de-densification. You know, we, we remain at the top of the pyramid, and the very clear message that's coming from the leadership of the occupiers is that they want the people back in offices. So, you know, that's why we think that even with the hybrid model, more space will be required for collaboration, leisure, amenities, and wellness. You know, we've, we've heard news of all the top IT services firms have starting to ask the employees to come back to office. And, you know, interestingly, when these corporate leaders want the employees to come back, one of the ways they will do is to have great offices in great locations, which is exactly what we do and what we offer in the city. So, so we think, you know, while the optimal balance of work from home, hybrid versus office will evolve over time and may differ from, for each company and sector, the massive growth uh, in the occupier headcount and in the businesses and the de-densification impact, which we think will definitely play out in the medium term, will more than offset it. And, you know, occupiers will require more space for collaboration. Uh, and, you know, they will tend to move towards grade A, top of the quality landlords to have an attract and retain the talent and bring them back uh, to work.
Right, 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 right. Sure, sure. And with the large uh, pent up demand that you are seeing, uh, I know it's very early days, but is is there a possibility that FI twenty three could could be similar to what uh, we saw usually uh, in in the pre COVID days? I know it's very early days, but is there a likelihood of that happening? I, I think that we we wouldn't speculate on that, but I think that you can take from our comments and the data that we're on a positive trajectory. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you very much indeed, Venkat. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. The next question is from the line of Chirag Sureka from DSP Mutual Fund. Please go ahead. Yeah, hi, this is Vivek Ramakrishnan. Uh, I had two questions. Do you believe, you know, we, you know, we just talked about the hybrid model. Would you believe that post-COVID, the space per capita will actually increase, where there'll be more social distancing and et cetera, without the companies actually, uh, you know, distorting their earnings models? So that's question number one. And the question, second question is, uh, again, related to Manyata, where, you know, since the clients have invested in the space, the employees are comfortable and they've been there for 15 years, what is causing them to exit? Thanks. So, so, so Vivek, hi. Why don't I take the second one, which is easy, and then I'll hand over, uh, hand over to Mike for the first question. So, again, Manita, these were legacy leases, you know, 15 years back. The, the escalations with sub-market, usually we have 15% every three years. When the lease was done in 2006 or seven, the escalations were 10%. So over a period of 15 years, uh, you know, the the, lead, the 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 passing rent fell, you know, much, much, much below the market rent. Market grew at about 10% stagger over the last 15 years, you know, generally speaking in, in Bangalore, given the low base it started from. So, you know, clearly you can imagine that some of the occupiers, the businesses may not have kind of really moved up the value chain in terms of sophistication as, you know, as, as they move forward and for them to pay the mark-to-market rentals which in Manita now we're touching triple digits in many of the uh, recent deals that we did, you know, that clearly, uh, you know, some of the occupiers would want cheaper options, and which works pretty well for us, in fact, because, you know, that gives us an opportunity to bring in new age occupiers. And as I mentioned before, in some cases, we're actually uh, revisiting and looking at, do we just refurbish these spaces, or do we do a complete redevelopment where we can potentially enhance and in some cases double the available FSI uh, and the size of the uh, you know the the building, so I think it is a mix of both. We see it as an opportunity, uh, you know, and some occupiers you know do churn out uh, given that you know uh, there will be new age occupiers. We spoke about the startups. We spoke about the other large captives who are doing high high end processes and technology or you know or uh, uh, digital solutions and who have the propensity to just pay higher the kind of market things that we like. So. So we think it's 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 it is normal course for us. Sorry, if I can just follow up that question before the uh, the second question answer. So would the people who leave go to lower grade offices? Is that what they're doing? Because uh, anyway, the A grade offices, the price is pretty much uh, constant across. Sorry, can you repeat that? Would the people go to lower grade offices? I mean, your A grade yeah, uh, buildings. That's the challenge that the occupiers are facing. And what we understand from the occupiers as well as from the brokers when such decisions are taken, right? Because you know, you know, we, we would want to achieve our rent and occupy. There's you know, you know, there's a mismatch on what they are expecting. It's a tough HR decision for them, and that's why it, 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 these are very few cases. But you know, the, the you know, for them, the the numbers matter more. 
we do hear a lot of feedback on a lot of pushback from the from the HR and the uh, and the uh, and the people side. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, sometimes uh, business still wants to move forward with that. Can I can I comment, Vivek, on your your question about space for capita? I I think if you're talking about per per capita in terms of the number of people physically accommodated within a space, then the answer is certainly yes. There will be a a decrease in density. So that's this point that we made about 100, 120, 150 square feet per person. If you say um, space per capita based on the total employee base some of whom may not be attending office. I think that that's unclear at present, um, and that depends on the type of business, how they use their space. What, what is, is very clear now, um, after so many months of this discussion and debate, is that many, particularly the high-quality GCCs, many companies view their workspace as a place that is part of their business culture and they are using that space for the, the, the culture building, the innovation, the collaboration, and so forth. Um, so the, the qualitative aspect of the space is, uh, is, is probably for those companies more important than the quantitative density uh, type, type of uh, side of things. So this is particularly important at a time when you've got high churn in your people base. And, and some of you on the phone have been writing about the attrition in the technology industry. So we're in an interesting time where uh, companies are hiring significant numbers of new people. They're trying to maintain and build their existing corporate culture. And many of those occupiers have voiced sentiments that that's particularly difficult when people are not in the office. So it all gels together from our perspective that people, companies, will want to come back to higher quality um, culture building uh, office operations. Thank you. That was most useful. And season's greetings to everybody at Embassy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I request all the participants, please restrict to two questions per participant. The next question is from the line of Chandra Shekhar Sridhar from Fidelity International. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you. Um, I have a few questions. One is this on the 20 million uh, the RFP. Can you just give us maybe some type of color on these RFPs? Um, are, they, are we seeing more shorter tenure RFPs? Are we seeing, uh, you know, uh, smaller areas people are looking for? Or is just some color which you could just provide? Just trying to understand um, if anything's changed versus, say, pre COVID. Okay. Je um, could, could you could you just give us your second question while we get that very far? Yeah, Vikash, uh, at the uh, uh, at the end of the last call, you had said that uh, you 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 know you were at, uh, of the 1.2 million square feet which would be uh, vacated for the nine months, you wouldn't think you'd be able to backfill more than 240k. Uh, just where are you in that? Since we've progressed another quarter, do you think you can um, you know uh, does that change at all? And um, and then just one question for Arvind. Uh, we, we start seeing the debut impact uh, from this quarter itself, right? You regarded for one and a half rupees. Uh, uh, that I think works out to about five months of interest cost. So we see that impact uh, for, for over a five month period. 
And then okay. just a very last one for you, uh, Mike. Uh, oh, uh, wow. <laughs> which is basically, uh, there's, there's a forecast there for about 45 million gross absorption for next year, uh, which is there on the presentation that's put out by um, you know, CBRE, which is pretty much yeah. CY18 levels of absorption and the, the absorption which we had before we went vertical in CY19. So I'm just trying to yeah. um, pick your brains on, that seems like a pre-COVID year of absorption. Yeah, okay, so I'll take number one and I'll just comment there on, on, on four as well. So I, I think you, you've analyzed it exactly how I would look at that, but at 45 odd million square feet gross, it, it doesn't match 2019, but it's, it's probably if you look at the, the previous three years to that 18 and back, you're probably uh, looking at that type of number. I think we are hearing sentiments that uh, calendar year 23 will be the year that we really see um, the, the numbers uh, coming back in, in full force. But we, we're seeing a good, good, de good demand on the RFP side um, for next year as well. Just to answer your question, number one, um, you asked about what sort of RFPs are we seeing. So uh, across the country, that includes markets that we're, uh, we're not in, that is 26.1 million square feet. You asked about um, you know, what's the size and scale, and I'm looking um, at these, and they range from 25,000 uh, up to uh, 3 million square feet. So it, it, is, it, it is a whole variety of um, in largely international names, um, ranging from, as I say, 50,000 up to up to 3 million. Some of the big global names um, across the board. It's the GCC, uh, I would say primarily GCC, uh, 20 million out of the 26, um, uh, and the balance is, is primarily technology. I hope that answers the, the question, because it's a good question. Sure. Okay. And Jinder, just to just on the other question, you know, we have factored total. Let me let me just uh, deal in terms of total new lease up, whether it is re-lease or lease of fresh space uh, or existing vacant space. We have factored in our guidance 450,000 square feet till the, uh, uh, till now, which is the two quarters within about 290,000 square feet, uh, and we have a healthy pipeline for the coming quarter. So it's looking encouraging. We just want to wait for one more quarter. You know, we really focus on converting the 500,000 square feet pipeline for Q3, and and you know, we are hoping that we'll be able to you know exceed the 450,000 square feet new lease up guidance, or the you know, which includes the releases and backfill that we set out uh, in the guidance. So you know, we'll have to see it. You know, we'll have to see how fast we can convert them into binding contracts, and maybe next quarter we can give you a better flavor on does this, is there a upward kind of a uh, potential on, on the number that we laid out on new leasing and back set. And just to answer the third question, uh, yeah, your numbers are correct. Uh, the impact kicks in from Q3. Uh, it's approximately a 1.5 uh, rupee impact for this year. And it will be approximately a 3.2 rupee annualized impact for FY23. Thank you. Thank you.
The next question is from the line of Adirai Chattopadhyay from ICICI Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my question. Uh, the first question is on this uh, rent support from JP Morgan. So when does this end? We have alluded that in, by December 21, we'll be completing and uh, possibly handing over the structure. Should, should that move into the rental uh, income from next quarter, from, uh, sorry, from the fourth quarter of this year? Yeah, so Adirai, uh, the rent support continues till March 22. Uh, so what happens is there is a six-month rent free which is agreed with uh, JP Morgan as per contract. So if we do end up delivering this in uh, Q3, which is what is planned, factoring in the six-month rent free, then the rent start kicking in from the second quarter of next year. So there is a potential one-month lag in us receiving rentals in the next year. Okay, so I'm so just to see the March till March, this rent would continue, right? That rent that's, that's correct, I'll so there is no intervening uh, okay okay and uh, second question was now on the hotels now now that uh, travelers uh, gradually beginning to pick up uh, so how are you seeing the occupancy is not trending up uh, based on forward bookings at our hotels and then when do we think uh, we'll have positive uh, surpluses both on the noi and both on the ndcf front from the two operation hotels if you could give some clarity there Okay, yeah, so it was a significant uptick for us in this quarter, 28% occupancy as compared to 10%, and the cash burn for this quarter was as low as 2.8 crores approximately, uh, as compared to closer on 9 crores last quarter. So uh, <clears throat> if this current trend continues, uh, you know, we expect to break even, uh, you know, probably in the next two to three quarters. Uh, so in, that's the way we are seeing hotel business going. Uh, while the occupancy has picked up, I think what we still need to achieve is in terms of increasing the ARRs, I think that's something which will pick up only in due course and may take a few more quarters for that to happen. Yeah, and if I can just add to what Arvind said, you know, the business on books for the coming quarter Q3 looks pretty, uh, pretty encouraging, right? So we're seeing the wedding season, we're seeing revival of domestic travel, we're seeing Vacation. So it, there seems to be a general positive sentiment uh, uh, on hotel occupancy, and you know we are hoping that we can convert the cash burn quickly into positive, and then move forward from there and contribute meaningfully into the distribution. Are you there? So the Hello? We're very grateful to you for your interest in Embassy Week, not just this quarter, but over the past uh, couple of years. Um, most of the data points that we covered today are covered uh, with the information on our website. We're always happy to engage further if additional clarification is required. We will be getting in touch with uh, some of our uh, analyst community to discuss having an invested day. Um, in due course when, when travel is uh, appropriate. Um, so until then, uh, we, we thank you and we wish you a very happy Diwali from the whole of our management team. Thank you and good evening. Thank you very much. On behalf of Embassy Office Park Suite,
that concludes this conference thank you for joining us may now disconnect your lines thank you